This is Tariq Moody, Program Director of Hyphen, Copyright Magazine and Milwaukee-based creative collaboration platform aims to support urban culture and entrepreneurship through its mission to facilitate creative collaboration. One of their events, SS23, is the second iteration of their streetwear street smarts fashion experience. It showcases six local designers, including Marcella's brand, Platinum Boy Gang Clothing, Views Clothing, and a set of part ones who will collaborate to showcase streetwear at an elevated level. The event is choreographed and designed to provide an experience for attendees that go beyond a regular runway show. Hyphen's Element and I interview Copyright Magazine's Vato Vergara, Lexi Brunson, as well as designer Marcellus about Milwaukee streetwear culture, how fashion has been a means of mental health and self-expression, and the legacy of Virgil Abloh. They also reflect on how streetwear has evolved over time and the challenges of going commercial. I'm going to start with you, Lexi. First, talk about Copyright Magazine and its mission. Yeah, so Copyright Magazine's mission is to support all things urban through a creative lens. So we do that by facilitating creative collaboration throughout the city. Our pillars are focused are art, fashion, music, community, and culture, emphasizing disenfranchised communities and entrepreneurship. You're hosting an event on April 7th dealing with fashion, but a specific type of fashion, streetwear fashion. What is streetwear fashion for the laymen out there that don't understand what streetwear is? Yeah, streetwear fashion historically is based on fashion um, out of the 70s, the late 70s, moving into the 80s, combinations of hip-hop, also surf culture, skateboard culture, also moving to other subcultures like punk culture. So the combination of that is what we see now as the modern form of streetwear. And so what it really is is combining do-it-yourself and graphic elements and also deconstructing different pieces of wear. And this is also based off of the utility of industrial wear. So when we started moving into more industrial kind of jobs, we have this more casual style of clothing and that comfort turned into your everyday lifestyle wear. And that is where streetwear comes from. And what got you interested into streetwear? So streetwear is urban fashion. So you see this on an everyday basis. You see this in all creative forms. So whether that's the music industry, runway fashion, where we're seeing big brands like Louis Vuitton and Gucci collaborating with other brands like sports brands and, and brands who really create leisure wear, this becomes like the norm of what you see. So people are not doging around every day in suits and ties and uh, pencil skirts anymore. That's very rare you're more going to see people in streetwear not knowing that it's streetwear. Talk about the show. What was the uh, inspiration for the show? And then what's going to happen at the show? Yeah, so SS23 is the second iteration of our streetwear, street smarts fashion experience, which was created by Vado Vergara, Copyright Magazine's creative director. And so really the idea is to expand upon what people in Milwaukee's fashion community are really focusing on. And so this gives the opportunity to see multiple brands collaborating together to show streetwear at an elevated level. And so the innovation and the genius that we have in our community. And Vado, since this is your brainchild, right? Yeah. So how did you get into streetwear? Like, what was the inspiration for you? Why is um, this so important? It was important because I didn't get to see people like me growing up doing streetwear. I saw white folks and probably like Asian culture, too, or Chinese culture. And I was like, you know, black people do this all day, every day. You know, we 
are creative and innovative. So this is something that we did in our homes. I saw something on TV. I would go, go in my room, cut the shirt up, and wear it. You know what I mean? I, that's just what it was. So it's just an experience for, for me. So what's going to happen during the show? Talk about, like... Who are the designers? If someone bought a ticket, what they, what should they expect? Um, we have six designers in the showcase. One of the things I want to make sure we highlight is the experience. Um, we want to give people an experience. So it's not your average show where one model walks down the runway. This is literally choreo. Where we're going. We're going crazy. We're really doing something to give the people something different. And we're trying to be a staple for the city, too, right, when it comes to fashion. So we got six designers. The three that I will highlight right away is PBG and... Planet Marcellus. Um, last year, we literally had our own segments. We created our own choreo, and people loved it. People still talking about it to this day. So it's only right to do, you know, our second version of this and, you know, amplify it, make it even better. So uh, we got a black-owned venue owner. Uh, everything is, like, local and black. So we try to keep it that way to put ourselves on a pedestal or this platform. We have one of the designers here, Marcellus. Talk about your style and how you got to become a designer. What was your uh, inspiration? What's what's the backstory? Uh, I guess I've been designing since I was like eight. I was skateboarding when I was young, and uh, the skateboard culture really pushed me towards designing my own clothes. Because you would see uh, like Supreme and everything else out there for the skateboarders. So I used to go home, take a t-shirt, take a uh, heat transfer, print, get my little printer, print my little S skate on there and iron it on my clothes and cut it up. And I used to wear it outside all the time. And I, I think that pushed my love for fashion. I jumped into music for a little while and it just didn't feel the same. So I went back to creating and that's where you have Marcellus now. Okay. Talk about Milwaukee. Like, yeah. is there a identity in Milwaukee streetwear compared to like, let's say New York, LA, and if that's the case, what is it? I think we're building that now. I think we're constructing uh, that with the brands you see, like Unfinished Legacy, 414. You know, me as a designer, uh, getting a lot of notoriety on uh, doing things for local players and celebrities of that nature. Um, I think we're building that, and I think we're doing a great job at it. You brought up the fact of, of representation, black culture, and streetwear. Can you talk about how black designers, black streetwear culture influence mainstream culture? Well, historically, black and brown people have been doing DIY because the lack of resources behind it. And so what is happening is that people who are in mainstream industry fashion or tastemakers in mainstream industry fashion have been getting inspiration from the things that are happening in the hood, things that are happening on the street, things that are happening in subcultures and sub-scenes. And what that does is validated on a higher pedestal. But what they haven't been doing is giving the credit to where they are getting mm -hmm. these assets from. So you'll see things like do-rags now on the runway, noting that that is a cultural nuance of protecting your hair that comes from black culture. You'll see head wraps. You'll see um, outerwear that is really a part of the working class experience. And now you'll see that as some kind of rugged appeal for runway wear or wear that you would wear in some kind of photo shoot or something like that. But these are things that people were using because they needed to use it. Right. And then the, the validation of that expression we see going 
way farther than we ever thought would go because this also can be shown with people like Dapper Dan. Dapper Dan deconstructing branding products that he saw from bigger labels but putting them in a more urban aesthetic then becomes the norm for these brands to take and do for themselves but not giving the credit for where it's from. So it's really the innovation without having anything turning it into something and now we have this kind of idea globally. So you're seeing streetwear globally, right? And the nuances usually pick up on whatever cultural infrastructure is around it. And so when we see this in Japan, their streetwear looks different than ours, but you can see the cultural nuances that were inspired from hip-hop. You can see the cultural nuances that are inspired from surfwear. And this shows that this styling goes globally because it it speaks to this idea of not having enough. And how do you deal with not having enough? You do it yourself. And to piggyback off that, streetwear came from, like you said, innovation and not having enough resources and also building a community where you feel accepted because we wasn't accepted on the runway and uh, avant-garde. Uh, we wasn't accepted in that community. So our culture and our and our community, the surf community and the skateboard community, black community, built that streetwear platform to where we can feel accepted and, you know, create things for people like us. And being all black, y'all can all answer this together or individually. What's some of the challenges you face or black designers overall face in the industry? One of the things I would say is being seen. We all work our butts off in this industry and we get overlooked a lot. Like we said before, people see those things, they replicate it and put it on a runway. But Becky or John is the face of that you know what I mean so I'll just say that for right right there yeah the nuance of the way we rock streetwear is seen as unprofessional unkempt and not appealing but when you put it on our counterparts then it's clean fashion really innovative aesthetic and all these other things so these words are not being used for us but they are they are being used for those who replicate our aesthetic so we always have this counter is it appreciation or appropriation and usually we're seeing that the appropriation comes with not admitting where you're getting it from and so we don't have the same resources to capital which is necessary to get materials we don't have the same resources to marketing which has to do with capital we don't have the same social capital when it comes to business and so this puts us at a really limited space when it comes to the fashion industry and so communally we work together collaborate and doing shows like this shows that we don't need you in order for us to be validated we validate ourselves Vada, they're all men designers in the show right yes why is that representation growing up like i said i didn't see me enough of me african-american and latino so i didn't get to see that i, I saw my grandparents sewing my, my mom and dad dressed really nice but they're not on a pedestal you know they're not mm. they, they just buy this so they're the consumers i needed to see more of me and putting these black and brown men in this show and showcasing their work, showing how authentic their work is and how dedicated they are, I think it's important for our city in Milwaukee. I could use anybody, right? But I think representation was the number one thing for me. So what is the, as far as men designers in the industry compared to, I guess, is it a stereotype that there's very few men, specifically black men? Is it I, for more of the designers are white men and women? I just... I would say the the designers are all other. I would just mm. say that like they're women. They're just it's everything else but the black black men. I mean, we got a couple of black men: Dapper Dan, Pierre Moss, Virgil Abloh. But it's like brand new. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Dapper Dan didn't get recognized until later on. 
roughly around the time right mm-hmm. now. So, and I, I saw that, but I didn't see that at a young age. Mm-hmm. I saw that when I got older. And I'm like, this exists? So now it's time to put our people in Milwaukee mm-hmm. on a pedestal. Why do you think black men don't want to be in that space? Is there a stereotype? Is uh, there there's a- definitely a stereotype. There's a stigma that comes with men in fashion, I, I feel. I think that we're judged off of being in fashion, and I think fashion is for everyone. I think there's a line of femininity that people associate with fashion, mm-hmm. and so black men and black and brown men have really been stigmatized for if they show femininity, then they are automatically categorized mm-hmm. as something, whether that be queer mm-hmm. or ditzy or you know mm-hmm. any of those things. And so what we really want to do is say that that doesn't have to be the association. You can be very masculine and be in fashion. You can be any of those things and I think tapping into that creative force within you is something that black men don't get to do enough publicly and this allows that to be public. What Lexi just mentioned, did you have to deal with any of that stigma? Did people say, why, like, why are you in the fashion? Like, when you were, like, you were saying you were eight or nine, starting cutting yeah, up stuff, yeah. did people, like, question your manhood and all that kind of stuff? As I, I think when, once you go into certain categories of fashion, you would get those stigmatisms. But honestly, when growing up, I haven't had faced those challenges because um, I'm just very confident in who I am. So maybe people have said that you know you know in closed doors but uh far as like to my face no not really <laughs> and even if they did like who cares you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like you know who you are stay true to yourself and just keep pushing on that you mentioned do rags so is there any other styles and pieces that come from that epitomize black and brown focus streetwear i would say like accessories uh, i think that's definitely a a black cultural thing Um, chains gold even if we want to go back to when we were younger barrettes bobos things like that picks i'm big on accessories so that's one of my niches in my in my fashion i love accessories i over accessorize those things there's no way i would be be comfortable seeing someone walk down an aisle a white woman walking down an aisle with cornrows and barrettes at the end of her cornrows like i would probably be like what show is this uh but they do it, though. You know, they do, right? <laughs> um, and we live it. This every day for us. We literally, I mean, you know, we do the parts and rubber band and, and braid and then put the barrette on there. We already know how that go. Um, and they just see that and replicate it, basically. Yeah, and uh, uh, to speak, like, to the thou- um, the styles of, like, the 2000s with the big shirts and the baggy oh, pants yeah. and, the, you know, the Adidas and... I, I think they're trying to encapsulate that now in the fashion industry. And I, I, I kind of find it funny because when we did that in like the 2000s, it was like ugly or distasteful. But now it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, they're so innovative. <laughs> you remember, I don't know if y'all are old enough, Bo Derek, Minister Bo Derek with the cone rolls and everybody like, oh, my God, that's great. And she got all the credit for creating that style. Yeah. You remember that? Not- Created. There was no grease in them parts. <laughs> no grease. So, they didn't even use a comb. So <laughs> let's talk about your style. Like yeah. what? Talk about your style and your your creativity and what kind of stuff do you create and what's your inspirations? Who are your influences? Uh, Marcella's style is more of like luxury streetwear. We embrace the imperfection of the garments. So our slogan is the imperfection is the perfection of our garments. So any time you wash and it rips and tears and fades, you know, perfectly, you wear it too much and you get a rip in the jeans, like leave it how it is. Like, you know what I mean? It's beautiful. It's an art piece and it's meant to be worn on a person. I think we get inspired by 
just like the everyday people that you see, like you see somebody who's in a, I guess a rough predicament and you see the garments that he, he's wearing and you see how he's distressed or how beautiful it is because of the the, the situations that he's in. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's still a beautiful piece with the stains and the rips and everything else. So I, I find that, you know, beautiful and I just try to encapsulate that in our brand. I also want to dig into the idea like fashion and body image goes hand in hand. You know, you look at these fashion shows I see on TV, it's only one type of body, right? Oh, yeah. Do you think about body image when you create stuff to be more inclusive? Yes. Yes, definitely. I, I want to, I want everybody to feel accepted. I want everybody to feel like they can wear, you know, anything they want. And I, it's a shame that body images are becoming like a trend nowadays with the BBLs or mm. like uh, veneers or whatever and it's like they're treating the body as trends and same thing with the fashion industry like it's all trendy 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 and that's pretty sad to me because you know regardless of the timeline or the, uh, I think you should be able to do what you want wear what you please are your models for this fashion show representative of the di diverse of body images in our culture for sure um, we use everybody I mean the main criteria with us is the walk. If you got your walk, you win the show. It don't matter shape, size, color, wherever you come from, you got the role if you know how to walk. Now, we are very specific on how we want that walk to look because it's streetwear, right? This isn't the the, the hit the runway walks. Like, mm. we need some dopeness. Mm -hmm. We need some flair. We need, you know, it's less fierce, more street, right? And we had to teach that in our, our casting calls, actually. But... The ones that we pick, they're all, all shapes and sizes. I was going to go into a, a, about Lizzo. Before I go that, I want to, can you describe the walk in words? Like, what oh, is the... Oh, that's like... you, you wanna, like, yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. It's confidence. It's a ten toes. Like, you, you're, you're very confident in everything you do, how you look, how you walk, how you breathe, how you speak. I think we bring that to the model. Like, and we take our time, right? Mm -hmm. we, we sit with them, and as long as they can take a critique they become better each time. Like, we just had our first rehearsal, and everybody was a little rusty in the beginning, but literally, all the way to the end, they started killing it. And it was like, see, y'all just needed a little warm-up mm -hmm. before getting to, you know, actually doing an actual walk. What I like to call the walk, because we've, obviously, this is the second iteration of SS23, but I, I like to say it's posturing. It's this idea that you, you have you have this power, this force when you are hitting that runway, right? And you're posturing like, I can do this. I wish I wish somebody would step to me. Um, I wish somebody would say something about my attire. I wish somebody would try to steal my appeal. It's, it's posturing. I want to mention Lizzo, Rihanna, Fenty specifically. Like Fenty's fashion shows, I, I watch them. They have all body types. Lizzo is just showing herself. You think... These two examples have changed people's, the mainstream perception of body types in the overall fashion industry, or has it changed? No, I, I think uh, they're trying to change it, but has it changed? Definitely not. No. I think they're taking the right steps towards that direction and trying to change it and trying to change the perspectives of people and how they view fashion, runway fashion. But has it changed? Sadly, no. I think streetwear is just a variety of things, and I think that they're just hitting a specific thing. I don't think they're touching everything, but what they're doing is great. I just think that there's more to be done. 
I think that has a lot to do with who controls the industry. So those two counterparts where they are representative of the black and brown community, they don't control the industry. White cis males still control the industry because they control the dollars. And so when we're projecting out what are we seeing on the runway mainstream it's whatever they want to see and so the more we do the work of showing up as our authentic selves and when we are in the positions to host our own fashion shows or host our own creative direction that's where you see that shift but more of us need to be at the table in order for that to be the norm and on body image you see a lot of uh, articles and think pieces about how body image affects women's mentality and, and, and how they feel about themselves depression and all this stuff you really don't see that much with men's body image. Is, mm-hmm. is, does it exist? Is there issues with men and body image and uh, the mental and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that kind of goes to show for any human being, you know, regardless of gender. I think everybody deals with looking at their body and trying to appreciate who they are and, and what they are for what it is. Uh, there, people always looking look in the mirror and say there's things I can change about myself to make me happier you know but that's always an inside where you need to love yourself before you change anything on the outside because you no matter how much you change on the outside the inside is not going to feel the same I agree he already said I was like yeah okay but I agree with everything he said does streetwear have a role in activism and social issues and if so I mean, I'm not big. (laughs) I'm not the big person to speak on a lot of stuff with that. But what I will say is that growing up, a lot of my inspiration came from a lot of social justice issues, like seeing the people together, how they looked, um, how they were uniformed. I think that influenced a lot because I saw power in that. So that's how I built my confidence for myself. um, Looking at stuff like that. So streetwear is a direct association with countering the man whoever the man is at the time. (laughs) And so the idea that you can wear clothing and it says something about your positioning in life is really a big deal. So who wears coveralls? Like somebody in this room answered that. Who wears coveralls on an everyday basis? Um, I'm thinking of working people. Working people, people. right? So that is their uniform. And so who is wearing sports attire on an everyday basis? Athletes. You know, so really fashion speaks to what is your placement in society. And what streetwear did was allow for people to see an aesthetic that counters everything that was mainstream. And so it is activism to suggest that we don't want to be like the man. We are ourselves. And those different pieces and those that different aesthetic appeal allows for somebody to vocalize with clothing and accessories who you are in society. And now we have this really large growth in graphic elements on our attire. So the idea that screen printing has moved to fabric has also allowed people to have messaging, right? And this is something that comes directly from streetwear culture, right? Stussy is marked to be one of the first people to put uh, screen printing on clothing, right? And that comes straight out of the surf culture and skate culture, right? So we are marking that the notation of saying who you are through clothes and then also through graphics and different elements suggests that we are not the mainstream then a mainstream absorbs that and says well we want to be a part of this too and what that does it downplays the activism role in that kind of attire i want to talk about virgil abloh i got upset i learned about him from a friend d desagier who's an amazing designer creative director used to work at cashman agency now he's Mm -hmm. chicago 
I got to learn a lot about him. And then he passed away. And I got upset. I was like, Wisconsin, he graduated from University of Wisconsin. And I felt like mm-hmm. the school didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He did a line for them. And probably the most famous grad of University of Wisconsin-Madison. But I want to talk about what made him so special and unique. I think he was taking his technical skills, his cultural aesthetic, and he was able to innovate and mix those together. And so being able to mix culture with technique is vital because if you don't have the technical skills, people are not in the mainstream, are not going to buy in. And so I think he had his hand in a little bit of everything. He had his hand in hip hop. He had his hand in African culture. He had his hand in the modern constructs of what fashion and apparel look like. And so I think he was able to use his genius with combining all of those things to make a name for himself. I I think I appreciate him for his mind. He can take something that you would think is so average and design an environment around it and make you think it's high end or like fine art. And that just goes to show that it's not really the piece. It's the environment that you put that piece in. So it's like his the way he thought about a lot of things and the way he processed a lot of his designs and his art is just amazing. To me, he just he went to go get it. I think every step that he took in his career was him taking what he needed to take to do what he needed to do. And I think we all can relate to that. Right. Being black and brown. That's what he did in this industry. And I feel like he he flipped wigs back. You know, everybody was geeked about everything he did. So, yeah. So as Tariq said, I absolutely love fashion. As a former hip-hop artist, it was just a part of my attire. You know, when you get up, you get dressed for a show, you speak to the audience through what you're wearing, and you use your words clearly. But I have a question for each of you. When did you realize that fashion could really help you mentally? And I'll go a little bit further on that. Growing up, I was a real thin child where you could see my bones and my back and my rib cage. And I used to love oversized clothes because it provided me some protection. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like everybody else. And you couldn't really see that I was drastically underweight. So I used that fashion as a form of mental health to get me through my day. When did you discover that fashion could be like a friend, a comfort, a confidant, a way to express yourself in life where you felt seen and you were hiding what you thought at the moment was your imperfections or what made you different. I think I realized that when I came to the conclusion, when you look good, you feel good. Mm-hmm. When you get up and you put on your favorite outfit, you know that day where your first, first day of school, you got the outfit laid out on, yes. on, the, on the bed. Yes. You got your shoes, you all white, so whatever, and you just keep staring at it like, man, I'm about to be fresh. Mm-hmm. You know that feeling? It's like, Doing that every day, you know, that's where it's like mentally stimulating for, you know, the benefit of your health and your mental health. I guess growing up, I wasn't the best speaker, presenter. I didn't like talking to people a lot. I was kind of quiet. It's hard to believe in today's world for me. (laughs) Like expressing myself was through my clothing. That's how people communicated with me. So that helped me open up to be comfortable with speaking with people. So 
I guess, yeah, I, it, it gave me a boost of confidence. I just started seeing vi- music videos. Uh, if you ever get a chance to meet my family, uh, like I said, I'm black and Latino, very colorful. They they dress to the gods, as, as, they, as I would say. But yeah, they kind of motivated me, or oh, that motivated me to be confident. And yeah, that's how it helped me expressing myself. So... I'm the little sister in the family. Um, My older sister is five years older than me. And so when she was in high school, I was in middle school. (laughs) I already know (laughs) I'm the little sister too. Right, and so I wanted to be like her, right? I wanted to be like her, but we had different body types. My sister was way thinner, and at a certain point, we were able to fit the same clothes, but for my size, I was a little thicker and things like that, so I was also into oversized clothing, but the ornamentation was key for me, so I had to have on my big earrings, I had to have on my hoop bracelets that I would get from my grandmother. She would go to the beauty supply store, and she would get those those hoop bracelets that I thought were real gold, but clearly they weren't you know and I wanted to make sure and then I would put on you know my my Chuck Taylors or my Shell Toe Adidas and that was the look and I was also going to going through puberty at the time right so not understanding what my body is doing it the ability to have on the oversized clothes and then I went through the extreme where it was tight tight so it was either oversized (laughs) or tight tight and what I figured out was was playing with the different aesthetics said something different about me one one pulled at my femininity the other pulled at my masculinity and I was asking the questions like well can't I be both and absolutely you can be (laughs) both but at the end of the day what it told me was is that the clothes don't make you and I made the clothes. And so as I moved throughout those periods of time, I started to accessorize differently and say different things with different pieces. I, I like to say that I was like one of the first people in my high school who would take the 3D glasses and poke out the lenses. Mm-hmm. So then you have then you yes. have the nerd yes. frames, mm-hmm. right? I was doing stuff like that because that aesthetic appealed to me. I wanted to I wanted to emphasize my nerd culture, but also emphasize my urban culture and then also, you know, my cultural aesthetic with my big hoops and my bangles. So it was a combination of all those things that got me to where I am now. I really do see fashion designers as fashionologists. You know, yes. you're 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 helping the psychology of the average person. No matter what your design looks like, you're boosting their confidence when they buy your pieces. They're saying who they want to be associated with when the, your name yes. is on the collar or the, yes. on the on the front of the shirt. And it really does speak to the fact that there's so many different sections in our community. You have April Walker with Walkerwear. You have Lisa Hilton with Lil' Kim with the, you know, little mm-hmm. pasty on. You have Wu-Tang with Wu-Wear. And Tommy, Tommy Boy, actually, a record label had a fashion yes. company. You had Carl Kanai and everybody from yeah. FUBU. You had all these beautiful black people creating streetwear, but it was all different. And then we found out, oh, I can blend some April Walker with some woo wear and it still works. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about what it feels like to see streetwear become mainstream and people getting paid off of it. And I'll give you a, a perfect example of when our culture kind of got a little, we didn't know where this was going. The Gap. I don't know if you remember that commercial by LL Cool J, where he was in the Gap commercial 
shouting out FUBU. He was like, for us, by us, on the low, which is FUBU, right? But Gap had paid him to do a Gap commercial, and he was branding a black-owned fashion company in the Gap commercial, and they had no idea. So do you feel like when we go commercial that we're giving up something when it comes to streetwear and black fashion? It's pulling at you. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. It's a little sticky because I think everybody has a place in this industry. Some go commercial. Some stay where they're at. I think that's just based off of where that designer or that company is at in that moment. Like, maybe they're not reaching the people that they thought they would, and now they're going commercial because that worked better for them. You know, some brands already have their brands built, so they can they can do what they want. I'm trying to think of some local brands in Milwaukee that that's doing that right now. Like, Unfinished Legacy is really dope. They're, you have Unfinished Legacy, Chase My Creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even Classic. Ratchet Luxury. Ratchet Luxury. Yeah. yeah. So they're all doing, doing great. I'm just trying to see if any one of, them, one of them went commercial. I think it's a fine line, right? So mm-hmm. what do you do once you go commercial, right? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you preach the things that you were preaching before? Are you standing behind the missions that you had before? That's really important, mm-hmm. right? So this happens a lot. We will get an opportunity to be in spaces where now we have access to the capital. We have access to the... The manufacturing and all these other resources and sometimes people flip the script because they want to maintain that capital and those resources that becomes problematic when it goes against your people in the cause that you were doing it for in the first place right mm-hmm. is it still accessible are you still standing in the face of adversity if that was what your call was to do and so Sometimes we have a problem with being like, I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to, I'm not, all right, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to be quiet. And that's where it becomes problematic. You, you selling out is about, are you the same person in those spaces Are you are, that you are in the other spaces or the spaces that allowed you to get to where you are, right? The people who poured into you, the people who was buying your clothes and when you was making it and selling it out the back of your trunk, is that is is that what you do? And so if you are having conversations that counter what got you to that space, that's a problem. But you are supposed to grow. It's really important to grow in any industry. In creative industries, it's really touchy because you can sell out at any point, mm-hmm. but it's like, what is your purpose? And are you still going with that purpose? And are you being innovative with that purpose? Are you are you taking people with you with that purpose? But that's not a question we ask our counterparts. They don't get asked that question because at the base of it, they seem to just be capitalistic and commercial in the first place. That is always the goal. And for us, it's like, can we get there? It's always a question. Can we get there? And then what do you do when you get there? I'll just talk about the elephant in the room. You know, when Virgil went from Pyrex to Off-White. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like exactly that. Like, what do you stand for? And, it, and at that point, do you give it up to your design team and let them create pieces and, you know, uh, release pieces? Or do you still have your hand in everything and the message and the manufacturing and and the marketing and you know, and stick by your guns for where you, you started off with, with Pyrex and, you know, still look out for the people that got you there in that position. I don't think commercial, going commercial is actually bad. I think uh, if you stick with the message that you created in the first place, you know, what's the difference? I agree. I think I think there's a way to do a little bit of both. And sometimes if you are 
special enough, you will bring people to you. And we've seen that quite a bit with not even fashion designers, with just artists. Mm -hmm. The ones that I think of that stick out for me are like Busta and Missy. Oh, yeah. Like, their styles are so extreme. Mm-hmm. And then you have their children. You have, like, the Khaleesis. Mm-hmm. And you have, you know, you have these artists that are the next tier down. And then you get into the Beyonce and her, like, global, pulling from different global cultures. And now you have a whole generation of young black and brown people who just are straight streetwear. You know, Coyle Ray will rock them big red boots yes. until they fall off yes. and think nothing about it, right? Yeah. But then you also look at my generation and you see Erica. Mm-hmm. You see you see Erica in those same boots, yeah. that same connection with long locks and kind of the boho chic look. Yeah. And I think fashion has always been something that we use as another conversation that's happening amongst a different group of people. Oh, when yes. we're in the middle of people that don't look like us, our mm-hmm. fashion, we're, we're, we're talking, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you can look at the Cosby show and you see Lisa Bonet mm-hmm. and she sticks out mm-hmm. for a very specific reason, right? Yeah. Give me some examples of spaces and places that you've been in and you've seen another black person and their attire has spoken something to you and y'all have had this conversation without speaking. Have that ever happened to you? And, and what was that feeling like? <laughs> yeah. Yo, I think it happens all the time. Yeah. I think it happens every time you see, you know, somebody of color. Like, you look at them, you can look at their attire, and you know exactly what group they're in. And you know <laughs> exactly, right. you know what I mean? Got the Huey on the back. Right. I love the Boondocks. And I, I look at that, and I'm thinking, as soon as you got up, I'm like, I'm thinking about an episode with the Magnificent. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> I, I get that. Like, we have that. Con- we have those conversations, all of those unspoken conversations all the time. Even when I'm in a room with, you know, people, the others, I would just say, I can, I'm having a conversation with them and they don't even know because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, they're going on this piece, but that's fast fashion. So do you really appro- do you really appreciate fashion or you're just like going with the trends now? Because, I mean, I can I, I know exactly what designer they copy that off of. You know yeah. what I mean? To, and it's it just like, yeah, it's just like insane that you said that because every time I'm looking at people, I'm just like. I'm having this unspoken dialogue in my head about, you know, the pieces that they're wearing and who and speak to who they are and what they do on the, you know, on the outside in the day to day world type thing. So we are of a certain generation, right? So if I ask Lexi and Tariq about an episode of the Cosby Show mm-hmm. <laughs> that was all about Denise designing a fashion shirt, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna say Gordon Gartrell, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. it was like it, it felt like this was a fictitious designer that had the culture on lock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted to be a part of it. And like y'all were saying, they couldn't afford it. Right. Or they their father was not yeah. gonna buy a thousand dollar shirt. It was an absolute yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a must to you had, had to, to have, have it. To have it. Make yeah. it. So you make it. And I think when you talk about fashion and bodies. Even though Theo walked out with a shirt that was lopsided, those seams, those seams killed me. (laughs) That was hilarious. Right, we all knew what that felt like because we all either saw our sisters or brothers with the jumpers on, or we saw our friends at school and they had the new whatevers, and you're like, "How am I get? How am I get that look Mm -hmm. without getting a hundred dollar, you know, Mm -hmm. cross color shirt? Where can I find that?" So you go to Coles or you go to the store where it's slightly irregular and you make it happen, right? I think what most people don't talk about 
and we touched on it is the psychology of that yeah of being in that group but also sticking Accepted. out yeah. being amongst the top tier the the top echelon of what you think is happening in fashion and having that thing for us ourselves mm-hmm. you know and and us creating it laying the tracks as we go and that's what y'all are doing mm-hmm. y'all are literally laying the tracks as we go in our city so I, I just appreciate the fact that we have a fashion community in Milwaukee mm-hmm. that is taking taking the reins and saying, you know what, we don't need to go to New York Fashion Week Black. We can because we belong there, but we can do that here. Yes. yes. yeah. And we're designing for all different types of bodies and the psychology of those bodies. And we're accentuating things that they love. And we're pulling back on things that they feel shy about. And it just looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. No matter what space and place you're in, it's beautiful. And let me just say this. That hat, everybody out there, you can't see it, but it says the right amount of ghetto. You better. Okay? You better. <laughs> that, is, that is me it's all day. Right, it's just right, the, the right perfect amount. amount. Um, and, and when we were coming up, we couldn't dare wear something like oh, that. Oh, no, right? Right? No. Our parents would be like, no, that's a representation of me. But now we understand that the right amount of ghetto will get you the presidency, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. right. You right. can become Barack Obama because there's a right amount of right. 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 So, like. any last words? The date of the show, the time of the show, the place of the show, what can they expect to see? How many models? Like, what? what's the so, RSVP? It's an amazing showcase. It's streetwear. April 7th, 5 to 9. Uh, we have six designers. They're all going to be amazing. We're going to do some amazing things. We have vendors. We have a food vendor that'll be there. We're also going to do a, a tripped out red carpet where it's going to be more like construction signs and things like that. We're going to make it more Milwaukee. Everything is local. I mean, I don't want to give our themes or anything out like that because you got to be there. As my mom would say, (laughs) beat me there, don't meet me there. So I just want to say... I think this show's gonna be like amazing. We did one the before and it was amazing, but like the space that everybody's in right now and you know, the the amount of, you know, achievements everybody had after that show is just like put everybody in a different type of head space and I know I've been not mad man creating at the house <laughs> having showered nothing I'm like I'm just tunnel vision like crazy so it's like I I can't wait for you guys to see it and if you do want to get a sneak peek there is a promo video that has released as of you know as of yesterday on copyrightmag.com you can also uh, get your tickets at copyrightmag.com but it really will show you that flavor that we're bringing and you'll see it is very quote unquote professional but it is very street honey mm. very well, street well Tariq and I we, we're going to issue you a challenge right now on the radio oh. we're, we're going to give you some hyphen shirts Okay. and we're going to ask that because you guys are the fashionologist <laughs> and you can design for all different types of bodies. We want to see what you can do with our swag and your brains, putting it on all different types of bodies and showcase exactly what you can do, what street fashionologists are made of. Challenge accepted. Okay. Challenge accepted. Challenge. There we go. Yeah, let's do it. 